Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You're listening to the Confidential Brief live on Chai FM, 101.9 FM in Johannesburg, and broadcasting worldwide on HaiFM.com. We've got such an interesting program lined up. Normally we're chatting to people that are fighting fraud, fighting corruption, and coming up with ways and means to be able to counter this, this terrible threat that our country's been faced with for quite some time now. But today we take a different angle. Today we talk about 50 people who effed up South Africa in the last decade a book by Alexander Parkman and Tim Richmond with cartoons by Zapiro. I'm very fortunate to be joined on the line all the way from Cape Town by Tim Richmond. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Chad. Great to be with you. Tim, fascinating book. It's not your first foray into this particular topic. Um, the blurb says it took 350 years to come up with the list of shame for the original 50 people who stuffed up South Africa uh, which was published to critical acclaim in 2010, but it's only taken 10 more years to come up with the next 50. Now, sure, it's, it's quite a statement. You know, people who've, who stuffed up South Africa for 350 years now, of course, 50 who stuffed up South Africa in the last decade. Was it time for a sequel? Chad, yes. Thanks for giving the context because sometimes uh, readers and listeners don't actually understand and they think it's just a revised version of the original book. But we, we looked at, you know, things worked out quite neatly. First book came out in 2010, now it's 2020, and there has been this lost decade, you know, this decade of Zuma-inspired corruption and maladministration and madness, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, you know, the, the, the to answer your question, we think so. And, in fact, this is the fourth 50 people book we've, we've written. We actually wrote a positive one on, on flippin' brilliant South Africans that came out 2012. We wrote one on 50 people who messed up the world in 2017. And we found that this one, which is only 10 years after the first Stuffer Upper book, it was the hardest one to narrow down the numbers. So it's 50 people, another 50 people, but we could have made it easily 100 people. And we've already had quite a few people saying, but where's, so-and-so and we're so-and-so and that was very much a challenge for this book i love the way you refer to the stuffer upper stuffer upper but um i get it the other two books um the one not really south african um in context with regards to 50 international stuffer uppers for want of a better term i've got a new term to now use and of course 50 people that have contributed towards south africa that's wonderful you know yes. it's, it's always great to give credit where credit is due but the sad the sad truth is we we're living through very trying times and i think you know, it, it, it sounds weird to say it was perfect that it was a decade. 2010, you did the first book. 2020, you did the second book. But just think if you had held out for a month or so after seeing what's come out at the State Capture Commission, especially with the State Security Agency. Do When you write a book like this and you see the cartoons and you're enjoying the process, there must be a part of you that's really troubled by what you're writing and by what you're seeing. Yes, Chad, to answer your question, uh, short answer, correct. But, you know, that's almost the point of the book. 
it's a way for us, you know, there's this very um, real need for normal people like you and me, you know, maybe people and, and your listeners and the readers and people who aren't intimately aware of all the politics and exactly what's going on to have a clear understanding of, you know, what's gone on in the last 10 years. There's been so much of it and there's so much noise that to reflect on where we are, it's actually quite complicated. You know, what happened at SARS? Um, what happened at VBS? Just break it down into something simple and, and understandable. And what you find is that there's a sense of catharsis, I guess, in going through the process because if you can't understand it and ultimately look at it, you know, not to laugh it off, but to look at it with some kind of sense of humor, um, it's, it is dire, you know, it's, it's stuff, you know, there's some entries in there which were really troubling to write. And, um, and you'll, if, if you've read the full book, you'll see that we, it really is, uh, swings of extremes. You know, there's, there's some really quite light stuff and, and you have to add in uh, a couple of characters who aren't real stuff uppers. You know, why is Andy Marinos in there, the CEO of Super Rugby? He's nothing compared to, you know, most of the other characters in the in the book, but you do have to have a bit of I don't know if it's the yin and the yang, but some kind of balance because otherwise it is traumatic and ultimately depressing. Um, and we don't want you to leave the book feeling you know like life is glum and South Africa is doomed. There, there is a, a sense of positivity in it all, and and it's very much a celebration of the South African spirit that we can survive these palookas in charge. Yeah, um, leaving us glum would be just to look at social media or to look at any print media any given day, especially exactly. in view of what's come out the last couple of um, days, last week, especially at the um, State Capture Commission in, in respect yep. of the SSA. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about how you chose your your 50 people and whether you ranked them at all because I, I noticed that it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a broad array Starting with, with Sean Abrams, ending with, uh, was a Ben Zizwane. And I'm mm. thinking, is it purely alphabetical or did you have a, a lot more than 50 and you had to rank them to be able to narrow it down to that 50? We're going to be back with that question straight after this. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. You're listening to the confidential brief with Chad Thomas on Hi FM. Nothing brings you back down to earth after the holidays, quite like a wallet full of receipts and slips where all the cash used to be. Well, Outsurance has an offer that will turn your post-holiday blues around. They could save you money on your car insurance every month. And if they can't, you can ask them for 500 rand cash. Claim free under the same insurer for three years. Well, then you can ask for 1,500 rand in cash. You could save or get cash in your wallet. SMS out to 40251. Outurance is a licensed insurer and FSP. T's and C's apply. The SMS to 40251 is free. We're chatting today to Alexander Parker and Tim Richmond, in particular to Tim. He is the co-author of the book, 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa the Last Decade. If you go onto our social media page, The Confidential Brief Radio Show on Facebook, and you find the post, 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa the Last Decade, I want you to go to the comment section and write in there who supplied the cartoons. Who supplied the cartoons? We know that Alexander Parker 
and Tim Richman wrote the book, we want to know who supplied the cartoons. And you never know. You could be in line for a book. 50 people who effed up South Africa the last decade. Tim, it's difficult. Every time I read this, I want to say the word. I find it very difficult. My, my language is colorful at the best of times. And this is almost an opportunity for somebody to report me to the BCCSA, should I make that fundamental blunder. But you guys must have been quite upset to have gone from stuffed up to effed up. Was it to make a distinction between the books or was it because this last decade really, really, really was bad? It was a combination thereof. And the, and the third factor was that um, if you're in publishing, you'll be aware that effed up has become quite a trend. Um, you know, the subtle art of not giving an F uh, amongst other things. Um, and so, yeah, it was certainly to make a distinction from the stuffer uppers to the effer uppers. Um, and also, be, as you say, you know, this last decade, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. You know, you, you, COVID's come along to put you know, the entire universe into perspective, but it's almost like COVID is the cherry on top of this, this horrendous decade for us. And, you know, it's, we had the play on the last and the lost decade. Um, and that's kind of what it's been accepted as. It's this lost opportunity where South Africa's pretty much gone backwards. But yeah, to answer your question, it was, it was very much, a uh, uh, confluence of all three of those things coming together and it made a lot of sense to, to talk about effing up and if you want to call it effing up or if you want to spill it out, that's up to you. Well, it's becoming very typically South African because it's, it, I noticed the acknowledgements right in the beginning is to our families at the end of a hell of a year and my word, we all thought 2020 was a hell of a year. We didn't foresee going into 2021 that it would just be a continuation Yes. Of, of what was a, a life-changing experience, a reset for the entire world. And we could only hope that, that things change. Now, let's go back to my original question. I would have loved to have seen the planning and strat session that yourself and your colleagues had because yes. there are a lot of people. Let's be honest here. There's a lot of people. 50, you've chosen what uh, – <laughs> rising to the top is normally the good thing. Cream rises to the top. But you've, you've chosen the top 50. How many people were there originally that you were looking at, and what was the, the, the strategy you used to narrow it down? So, Chan, I would say there were probably around maybe 100 to 120. And if you want – to look at the creative process for the book, it probably goes back in all seriousness about a year before it was published. It was published in November. And, you know, we, because we'd done previous books and Alex and I had really enjoyed working with each other and, um, and also not to give away the answer to, to your uh, quiz question, but, but, uh, Zapiro as well. And so it had been kind of on the cards. We'd looked at, you know, decades coming up. Should we do something? And, so we'd had a quite long list roughly put together from, I would say, late 2019. And then when we got down to the, you know, the coal front of actually putting the book together, things start coming into place. And what you find is that the, the energy takes you in a certain direction. So Alex finds himself writing about these few people and I find myself writing about those few people. And then we start, once we've made a bit of headway, we start going, okay, well, this is what we've got and what kind of gaps are we, are we missing? And then we start filling in along those lines. And then also talking to, to uh, Jonathan um, Zapiro and he actually suggested to us, he said, look, you've got so many guys here. 
um, it's you can't include everyone. So why don't we? He suggested the idea of having dishonorable mentions. So that's the one small difference from this book to the to the other three, is that each introduction is is a dishonorable mention, and you'll see that we we use it. You know, we've got quite a lot of leeway with it. So you'll find that the Guptas and Jacob Zuma are often the dishonorable mention. I think they're the dishonorable mention in about 20 different entries. But that allowed us to almost include more than 50 people in. But then, uh, as I say, to we so we had a we had a strategy, and we um, like a relatively broad strategy, realizing that we couldn't include probably 70 that we wanted to include. Um, Bearing in mind what I said earlier, we also wanted to keep it light at times. So you do have people like Tamsankwe Yangchi in there and Andy Marinos and, um, you know, even, even Xi Jinping, which is something different, you know, heading off overseas because it can't all be doom and gloom. It can't all be the same. You know, you could, you could do 50 entries on just, you know, corrupt tender, tenderpreneurs. Um, or you could just have put every single cabinet member who'd, you know, been around for the last 10 years. So it came down to about the last, we did about 40, um, which was sort of a natural process. And then the last 10, we were quite careful about filling in certain gaps to make sure that the, there was a full picture, more a, a, as complete a picture as we could have had. But even then, you know, I can look at the book right now and there are a couple of, of obvious um, exclusions that somebody could say, why don't you have Arthur Fraser in? Or why don't you have Busasiwe Mkwabani in? And I could say, fair enough, we, we, we could have them in, but there's only so much space we have and there's, um, this is where the creative process took us. Does that, so does that answer the question? It does answer the question and it's always interesting to understand because like you said, people are going to say, but what about this one? What about that one? Yes. Now you yes. guys are the leaders in this. You started this, um, a lot longer than a decade ago because you obviously had to plan your first book, um, yes. 50 people who stepped up South Africa. But I see you've now become the leaders in it because others are following, which is always a, a great thing. They say imitation is one of the, the finest yes. forms of flattery. So I, I noticed one of the more well-known online um, investigative um, journalist hubs have now gone to print, which is very unusual. Yes. Um, print, we think, is dying. They've now gone to print, and in their last edition for December of 2020, they had their top and their bottom, and it was very similar to yours. And one of the people that they featured was John Steenhazen. And now everybody in South Africa is very quick to look at the, the opposition has been something that has checks and balances and keeps our country in place. And we shouldn't actually touch the, the sacred cows and rather concentrate on everything that revolves around state capture. But I noticed that in your book, you also think to yourself, you know what? This, this is no holds barred. There are not going to be sacred cows. We're going to say it as it is. And one of the people that you've listed in, in this particular, um, book, your, your latest book, 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa in the Last Decade, is Helen Ziller. Did you meet any resistance from any of your readers that you decided that, you know, it's not just going to be people involved in corruption and state capture? Yes, absolutely. And Helen's entry is the one that's had the most um, knee-jerk response where uh, we've seen things online where where the response to the review will be, well, if Helen Ziller's in there, I'm not going to read it because... You know, that's ridiculous. And compared to the Guptas and Zuma, et cetera, she's a saint and, and all the rest. 
And, and absolutely, you know, Helen Zilla's contribution to South African politics is a net positive, if you ask me. Um, but there are other factors involved, you know, one being that this is the last 10 years. And I think that uh, people in the DA, whether you're a supporter of the DA or just an observer of it, or just somebody who realizes the importance of having uh, an opposition that is effective, because without an effective opposition, you don't have a real democracy, then, you know, anyone who who looks at our politics in the last 10 years will realize that the DA could have done better and, and Helen Zillis made mistakes. So we're not by any means comparing her overall legacy to that of um, Jacob Zuma or Tom Moyani or Brian Molefe by any means, but it's undoubted that she did, that she has made some colossal errors. And what we do is we focus on the, the, the Twitter side of things, which is also the newsworthy side of things. And, and again, you know, that's, the, the book is trying to, to shine a light on topics that have been, you know, talked about and discussed and newsworthy over the last 10 years and giving them, giving a summary and some kind of review of what's gone on in the last 10 years. And there it is. You can, we, we delve briefly into Helen Ziller's, um, history of poor social media communication and how that has had a direct effect on the politics of her party. And that's a real problem, but it's not to say that it's a moral equivalent of you know, many other people in the book. Uh, but including somebody like Helen Ziller and, as I mentioned, other people like even a Carl Niehaus, but certainly some of the sports-related people and Tamsankwe Yanchi, who was, who was a, you know, the wrong guy in the wrong place, unfortunately, but also hardly a major country stuff upper it's just a way to bring balance to the book as well you know it's and if you want to discuss you know there's so much politics in here there's so many ANC members in this book and there has to be a little bit of balance a little bit of the the other side if you want to put it that way so to answer your question yes we had uh, quite a lot of strong pushback um, on Helen in particular but but I, I suspect that all of that was from people who hadn't even read the book and didn't even understand the context. Well, you know, it's 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 difficult for people to to take off the blinkers sometimes. It's like if you want so to this- blame South Africa's woes, you just speak about the Guptas and Zuma, but there's so much more to it. And what I found interesting is that you included somebody like Oscar Pistorius, who did immense damage on the global stage in, in respect of his actions and in respect of what happened um, post the, the murder of Rebus and Cabinet. Of course, you've included businessmen like Gavin Watson. We know the damage that was done there. And you've also included Iqbal Survey, who right now is exceptionally topical. So I think yes. people need to understand we can't be so narrow-minded and so blinkered as in to just look at one root cause. It has been allowed to happen. And, and, and I think one of the more interesting people that you've included is our current president, who, yes. who people have have credited with a lot of positive and are, are shying away from looking at the time that he was in office as deputy president. What was the decision-making process to include him? So, so I'm glad you brought him up, Chad, because it's similar to, to Helen Ziller in that, the you know, people who are fans of Helen Ziller would say, you know, how could you include somebody who's got such a brilliant past in this book? But you could place exactly the same argument in front of the inclusion of Cyril Ramaphosa. Cyril Ramaphosa's, Ramaphosa's contribution to South Africa 
pre-2010, so pre the last decade, is immense. Um, and, and it's not to say that we're not necessarily fans of a lot of what he does, but this is exactly what you're talking about, where it's weighing up both sides of, of, of an argument. And we felt that we, we, we dealt with those two at the same time in the sense that if we're going to include the one, then we're going to include the other. If we're going to exclude the one, then we're going to exclude the other. And we decided definitely to add them in. You know, also, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of controversy. Um, but I feel that they are similar contributions or, or similar inclusions in some way because of that, uh, that, double-edged sword that they provide, you know, as opposed to the Guptas who are 100%, you know, the spawn of Satan, evil, no good whatsoever. They are complex. And this is, this gets to the point of a lot of, um, sort of modern social discussion is this idea that you can have a complex topic, you know, wow, you can actually hold two ideas in your head at the same time that somebody could be good and bad at the same time, like this incredible concept of complexity in daily life. You know, excuse me being a little bit um, sarcastic here, but the, the, the so much online discussion and narrative seems to be, you know, it's either good or bad. It's 100% black and white, which is, of course, not true. And so we have tried to bring a little bit of nuance into it, although given that we only have a certain amount of space there's um you know so we have to come with quite a specific angle for each one so to, to answer your question on uh, our current president Saul Ramaphosa the the inclusion we felt he had to go in it wasn't really controversial by the end of it especially given how the year had gone with uh, with COVID and lockdown and all the rest and we just felt that he needed to be treated with respect but certainly the the negatives needed to be discussed and and this is what it's all about, you know, it's discussing these things, it's making them conversations so that we can try to move forward and avoid the mistakes of the past again. Thank you for including Marcus Uester. I think mm. that is something that is so critical, so important, because one thing that has been said on the show many times, and it's almost become a mantra for people to try and understand, is the fact that public sector corruption cannot happen without the buy-in of the private sector. In fact, public sector fraudsters, private sector fraudsters have a symbiotic relationship, and that's the plunder of the public purse. And we have to take cognizance of the fact, this is what so many people don't realize, is that the Government Employee Pension Fund and the PIC has been plundered, and has been plundered by the private sector in collusion with government sector players. So for that, I thank you. Absolutely. Well, well, absolute pleasure, Chad. And, and you see, if we'd written a book like this without the inclusion of corporate, shall we say, then it, it would, it certainly wouldn't be complete then. Um, you know, there, there, there are potentially government officials who are not included, but it's kind of more of the same. Whereas you have to have the white collar stuff in here as well. You have to have the private sector collusion. I think one of the most important, um, inclusions is the KPMG entry. Which is, um, you know, we, we, we had it down as Trevor Hull, um, who was CEO of KPMG. And it, it's, it goes down that particular route. You know, this type of, um, uh, major governmental corruption isn't possible without the, 
the supposed watchdogs themselves being corrupted. So a guy like Marcus Eusta has to be included. Um, there had to be a big nod to KPMG and, and the, those other big institutions that haven't been playing their part. And again, this was trying to create a complete picture if possible. You know, many of the entries are representatives or symbols of a particular type of crime. Um, in Marcus Eusta's case, you know, corporate fraud. Um, or of a particular incident or scandal. So you'll see there's an entry on somebody who represents Nkandla and an entry on somebody who represents VBS Mutual Bank and another one on some, on somebody who represents Life Estimani, Maricana and so on. And so our feeling was that one individual represents one major uh, scandal, if you want to put it that way, or, or problem of the last decade. And then that's it covered to a degree, and then we try to move on to another topic. We're chatting to Tim Richmond. He is the co-author of 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa in the Last Decade. We're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back straight after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on IFM. You're listening to Confidential Brief. My name is Chad Thomas. We're live in Johannesburg on 101.9 FM, streaming worldwide on highfm.com. We're chatting to Tim Richmond. He's the co-author, along with Alexander Parker, of 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa the Last Decade. If you go to our uh, social media page for this particular show, it's called The Confidential Brief Radio Show. I want you to go to the comment section on the post regarding this book and tell us, who drew the cartoons for this incredible book? And you may be in line to win a copy. Tim, I want to chat about the other books because this is a franchise and um, it's quite incredible that this is book number four. The first was 50 yes. people who stuffed up South Africa, then 50 people who stuffed up the world. And then just prior to this, of course, 50 flippin' brilliant South Africans. So I want to end the, high off on a good, the show off on a high note. Uh, Who in that book stood out for you? Who was the surprise South African that really, 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 and, and we can't go with the obvious choice here. Who stood out for you as the surprise choice in 50 brilliant uh, South Africans? Well, well, Chad, I have to, I have to just, um, Correct you slightly there. So the first one was 50 people who stuffed up South Africa. That was 2010. 50 flippant brilliant South Africans came out in 2012, and it was very much the yin and the yang. And, and ah. first book did incredibly well. I mean, it was a multi best-selling book in South Africa, and it surprised everyone, myself included, about how well it did. Um, and a lot of the feedback was, you know, lovely book, great read, entertaining. You've made South African history accessible and interesting and amusing. Um, now, what, we're the good people. And so we thought, okay, you know, we, we feel obliged to, to do that particular book. And writing sort of vaguely witty or amusing, entertaining, interesting um, copy on good people is obviously much harder than writing about um, naughty people, you know, corrupt people, bad people, who you can just call rude names and, and half the job's done there. So it was, it was, a, it was a completely different prospect. Um, but I'll tell you who my favorite entry was. Can I, can I tell you that? Yes, that's what I want to hear. That would be probably Sailor Milan, the, the World War II pilot. The pilot. One of the few, uh, and one of the greatest pilots of the war. And he, he, beyond that, which we didn't even go into in too much detail, he was something of a, of a politically, uh, of a minor political hero in South Africa in that he had strong, 
values that he upheld. Um, and he caused a lot of trouble for the apartheid government at the time. But that, that was, that's not, that's not his real story. The real story is the, is the World War II hero stuff. And it really is the stuff of legend. So that's probably my, my favorite entry in the book. But that's on quick recollection because, um, there were plenty, there's plenty of other good stuff in, in 50 Flippin' Brilliant South Africans as well. Um, it naturally, it didn't sell as well as the stuff of uppers because people like reading about, doom and gloom to a degree, but it, it also did incredibly well. And, and we were very proud of, of, well, we're proud of all, all four of the books to date. Um, the, the third one happily was published internationally, but uh, it wasn't South Africa specific. Um, and, and this one, we're back to, back to our roots with this latest one. It very much is the, the logical progression of the first book, 50 people who stepped up South Africa. I wasn't expecting you to say Sailor Malan. Um, it's amazing for me. My grandfather served with him and also was right. a member of the Torch Brigade. So yes. many people are unaware of that massive anti-fascist movement that yes. took root in South Africa to fight the Nats, to fight the Osavar Brandbach. Yes. At a stage, I think there were upwards of 200,000 strong. And Correct. it's a forgotten piece of history that people need to be reminded of. Um, so, so you really, really ended the note, the, the show on a, on a positive note because Excellent. that is somebody I didn't expect. Um, looking at what's coming up, um, in terms of what we've seen with the vaccines, what we've seen with the state security agency, what we've seen with the, the capture of the media, do you see a, a similar book in the franchise or do you see a combination Going forward into, into the future in respect of, 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 of what's planned next. Because I think there's something in the pipeline. There has to be something in the pipeline considering what's been happening. And I well, know it's so shortly after this, but there has to be a thought process. Chad, put it this way. I really hope there isn't a 50 people who really effed up South Africa in 10 years time because then, then the country's in trouble. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, you, it's, it's an interesting question that you, that you put there about the combination book. Um, you know, when the first book came out, one of the big so 50 people who stepped up South Africa, which came out in 2010, um, but really in 2011, because it was released right at the end of 2010, uh, the, the feedback, the overwhelming feedback that was really amazing was, and this was Alexander's doing because he's brilliant at this, was, making South African history interesting. So we've all grown up in this old, well, we've all, you know, I'm in my early 40s, and, and I grew up being taught the old school South African history. So it's boring South African history. Um, it's it's very much, well, it was very subjectively taught, uh, very much through the lens of the apartheid education system. And suddenly there's a different take. You know, there's this, wow, this it's really captivating history. This history is as interesting as, you know, English history, which, which, and again, I'm saying that with a little bit of sarcasm because it's probably even more interesting. Um, and, and what we found was that there was, there were schools who came back to us and said, look, we're using the book as a, as a reader, as an extra reader for our grade 10s and grade 11s. And we then published 50 flippant brilliant South Africans. And for a while we had in the, uh, in the pipeline an idea to bring together sort of an historical review for um, for kind of grade 10, grade 11, grade 12 kind of readers. And it's something that I'd be interested in, in looking at again, but it's just one of those things that in our busy lives, you know, so much going on, we could never really get it off the ground. And it's the type of thing where dealing with 
education syllabus is quite complex and it's not our strength necessarily. And sadly, we didn't quite get that one off the ground, but I, I would love to um, look at that again and do a, we had it, we had it tentatively titled Villa, Villains and, and Heroes or Villains and Legends or something like that. And it would have been the more historically significant uh, from both books and, and potentially now from this fourth book uh, as a, historical reader or textbook even for for um for learners but, it's, but it's not a, any positive there's nothing concrete planned unfortunately at this stage we, we need to have a break now <laughs> i know but you know what it's it's a brilliant reading like you said i also grew up i'm slightly older than you um i'm on the 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 wrong side of the mid-40s and yeah, uh, yeah our, our our education was exceptionally subjective especially history I think every single year we did the great trick and it's something that uh, I can't get out of my mind no matter how I try. But thank you so much. I think 50 people who stuffed up South Africa, 50 people um, who stuffed up the world, 50 flippant, brilliant South Africans. And now, of course, the book we chat you about, 50 people who effed up South Africa the last decade, at least gives us insight into what's going on without having to read through reams and reams and reams of legal documents or abbreviated sentences on Twitter or something that's been posted on social media gives us a quick, decent insight as into why these people effed up our country. And for that, I thank you so much. And thank you for joining us today, Tim. Absolute pleasure, Chad. Thanks very much for, ha for having me. It's been a privilege. 50 People Who Effed Up South Africa, The Lost Decade is available in all good bookstores. Last week before we came on air, um, we had, we heard the tragic news that one of our, our colleagues and staff members had gone into hospital. Late in the week, um, transpired that that particular staff member had passed away. His name was DJ Flo. He was a great friend to our station, a great friend to all of us, and he was the controller on the show. Um, you may have noticed that last week and this week things were slightly different. And that's because we've lost an integral, an integral part of our show, but a person that really, really, really was special to every single one of us at, at Chai FM. Flo has been with us for a long time. He's the person who makes things happen, especially now during these remote transmissions. He's the one that made sure we were connected to our guests remotely and that everything ran smooth. Um, as always, I thank the entire team at, at High FM for the work they do. But today's show is tributed to DJ Flo. We miss him. We love him. And uh, this song was one of my favorite songs we used to play very often on the show. And, um, yeah, that's the way we all felt last week. It's a song about Bright Blue. It's a very famous song called Weeping, and we're going to play out with that. But the fear 
Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.